Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win, including boosted same-game parlays for the upcoming NBA action after the football season. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive a special offer. New users can take advantage of WinBet's Bet $10, Win $200 offer. Just bet $10 and win $200 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. And let's get after it. Bet 10, win 200 is not available in Michigan. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan... 1-800-270-7117. In New York, one eight seven seven eight hope ny Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. Mm. Got two guests today, one NFL Hall of Famer, one Super Duper Podcaster, two football fans. Chris and Macon are going to talk with Tony Baselli. Freshly minted in the NFL Hall of Fame, talk about his career, the impact football's had on him, getting the call to get into the Hall of Fame, the announcement at NFL Honors, and why it was so special. Then it's PFT commenter. Chris Mack and PFT are going to talk a little part of my take, macrodosing PFT's latest tweets. Could he be a record-setting defensive player in the NFL? And then they'll give their NFL fix-it ideas, how the NFL can make the 2022-2023, the best season of football ever. And they're going to go through their season-long mention awards. All the best plane rides, worst plane rides, Belville Conway's, Hollow Man's, you'll hear it from Chris Macon and PFT. We've got a little book report at the end. I'll try to get through it. Hey, y'all enjoy. Have a great weekend. Wilmington, North Carolina. Hello. Happy birthday, Michael Jordan. That's where he's from. Wilmington, North Carolina, which is the most random place that a basketball player could be from. Oh, I don't know. The state of North Carolina? Yeah, but Wilmington doesn't sound like a very, it's a beach town. That's right. It's on the water. Beach and basketball. They don't go together unless you're out in out in the West Coast. Have you heard that he was cut from his whatever the fuck team? Yeah, dude. Everybody else is like, I uh, waited for the Michael Jordan thing to happen. Never happened. Relatable story for some of it. Hey, dude, people are liking the layup line thing. We have Tony Baselli today. We have PFT commenter today. And so we're going to be quick with this. This is a um, Jimmy John's open. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you have a sandwich and it's cut down the middle and one's got 60% of the sandwich, one half, and the other's got 40%. Which half are you eating first? The smaller half or the larger half? Probably the 60. It depends on how hungry I am, honestly. No, correct. The, the correct answer is a 60. Yeah. Because what if you die in the middle? You want to have had left 
bus sandwich. So anyway, let's get going with layup line. You ready? I'll shuffle first. Yeah. People like this. We're down to three, though. Go ahead, say three. it. Wonderful World by Sam Cooke. And I know that if you love me too, what a wonderful world this would be. My Maria, Brooks and Dunn. My Maria. The Rockefeller Skank, Fat Boy Slim. Oh, Damn. Oh. The Funk Soul Brother. Check it out now. Two out of three bangers. Which one wasn't? The first one, Wonderful World, Sam Cooke. What was the second one? Uh, Memories becoming. My uh, Maria. There it is. You're okay. just, you just have a contact tie. Yeah, that's right. Every day I walk in here. Come Down Easy, Spaceman 3. That's a banger. None of you know that one, but it's a banger. Come down easy, Lord, I Release your Delph. Release your Delph, Reed. Check it. I'm the fucking man. Who the betcha? That was the one that I posted because it was in my head from when Reed brought it up one day. Posted it on Instagram and Method Man actually impressed on the on the uh, story. Like where you leave an emoji, like a fire emoji. We got a fire emoji from Method Man. Burden in my hand, Soundgarden. Mm. You know that one? Follow me into the desert and start. Now you have it. It's a good Chris Cornell impression. Yeah, well, it's hard to fucking imitate him, especially now. Jeez. I'd argue it's easier now. No, it's not. Black hole sun or something. How about that? It's the first CD my mom ever got for me at Plan 9 Music. Okay. All right. So there you go. I had three. You had three. What do we got? Well, as much as I love, genuinely love My Maria, I'll nominate the Rockefeller Skank by Fatboy Slim. I think I'm going to, what I'm going to do right now is set us up to have Rockefeller Slim playing on the pod, which fucking sucks for you at home. But no, blame making. He's a genius. Spaceman 3. Right about now. That's right. The funk is so brother. Check it out now. The funk so brother. Right about now. The funk so brother. Right about now. About now. About now. About now. Well done, <laughs> cowboy. Okay, there you go. I got one oh. thing. If I don't get it off now, it might never come back to me, okay? I had a statement prepared. I've lost it. Roughly 10 days ago, you were FaceTiming with your wife and said, love you. And then as she was saying, love you back, you cut her off and hung up Yeah. after she had gotten like the love out. Mm -hmm. um, so you mean to tell me that these are genuine, I love you's and are like the foundation of your relationship when you don't even care to hear it back? I was nervous cause I'm still in love with my wife. So my, my hand slipped. I was sh like so nervous to talk to her because I, I'm still in love with her. Huh. You know, I just shook a little bit and I hit end the FaceTime call. But if you'll notice, then I call back. Yeah, because you saw my eyes get really big and I knew or I had Or maybe something. just because I wanted to make sure that my, my lovely wife knew that I didn't cut her off. Yeah, well, you did cut her off. That's on accident. Not to be debated. That was a good story. Do you love me? Uh, yeah, I love you, dude. Yeah, love you. Okay, so here's the deal. We're going to go Tony Baselli, Pro Football Hall of Fame first, uh, and then we'll get PFT commenter on. We're going to, like I said, we're going to fix some stuff, be commissioner for a day. 
we're gonna give out our mentions, the last mentions of the year, so stick around for that. The great Tony Baselli. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to see what all the hype was about. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. And it tastes great. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It kind of has a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. I recommend it to the whole Greenlight crew, especially Cowboy Reed. And now everybody's feeling spry. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Athletic Greens is also a climate-neutral certified company. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash greenlight. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash greenlight to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I am pleased to welcome Tony Baselli, uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer. He's got that mustard jacket now. What's up, man? How you feeling, dude? How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing good, man. It's been it's been a crazy, crazy few weeks, but it's uh, crazy in a good sense. You know, there's bad crazy and there's good crazy, and yeah. this is the good crazy stuff. Well, you had the long wait. You kind of alluded to. You were kind of like, hey, everybody around me is crying every year. The last six six years, you've had to wait. And, uh, and you're like, aren't I the one that's supposed to be sad? Were you, were you <laughs> bummed about it? It's one of those things where you have no control over it. So you yeah. have a bunch of people judging your career yeah. and, and, you know, you're competitive. You played, you know, we're all, we're all a little bit nuts and type a, and like, we like being in control and we like, like dictating life. Mm-hmm. And this is one you can't do that. Yeah. And, and, and part of it, you know, right or wrong, it's probably wrong. You feel like they're, when you didn't make it, they're telling you you're not good enough. Yeah. Um, and so, and your family wants it so bad. And so half the time, the worst part for me was watching everyone else be emotional. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, I'm like, can we just go out and have a good time mm-hmm. right now? Can we like stop crying mm-hmm. and do something else? So that was hard. And I think the, the hardest part, the one of the hardest ones was last year when I didn't make it and not for me or any other reason it was a crazy year, COVID, you know, my wife had cancer a couple of times. She's, you know, good. But my dad, I knew um, last January when I got the phone call that I didn't make it, that my dad probably wouldn't make it through the year because he had mm-hmm. cancer. And um, that was hard because I wanted – he's such a big part of my life, uh, and he was a big reason I did what I did in football, and he helped me have success. So him not being around for this, that was really hard um, to, like, just come to terms with that. And so um, that was probably the hardest part of this whole process last year. But as anyone will tell you, gets in the Hall of Fame, once you hear your name and once they tell you you're in, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like, and this is whether you had to wait a long time or your first ballot, you're in the Hall of Fame. It's all that really matters. 
Deacon Jones said you can't get cut, can't get traded. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he had a pretty eloquent way of putting things. He used to come talk to the Rams a little bit, uh, break us down after practice. He was a legend. Yeah. Uh, on and off the field. Uh, all right. So I was going to ask you then, you know, like you obviously miss your pops. And I'm sure he was so proud of you, man. And like you've, you've got a bunch of people you could call when you first get the news maybe old coaches, old teammates. And yeah. I would ask you who, who that first kind of call to somebody that w- you, you'd be proud to know, but maybe it was the guy at the door. Yeah. So, it, so the, the interesting thing is, you know, they voted all the way back on the 18th of January yeah. Yeah. and, and I found out on the 27th, yeah. the video of Anthony Munoz going knock on the door, but I couldn't tell anybody like the hall of fame's like, you can't tell anybody until honors. Right. So like, there's this two week period where I'm just sitting around. I'm like, I'm in the hall of fame but I really can't tell anybody like my wife and like our super close friends that helped like arrange the whole thing to get me into this, uh, get me over to the place where they were going to knock on the door. They knew. Um, so, but once I got in, I, there was a couple phone calls I made. I called my high school coach, yeah. um, Sam Pagano, um, whose son Chuck was the head coach of the Colts. Um, I called my first offensive line coach at, um, at USC a guy yeah. named John Matsko, who's now the offensive line coach of the Washington uh, commanders, I think they're called. I got to get their yeah, their the name right for this year. Commanders for yeah. this year. Yeah. And I called my uh, the offensive line coach I finished my career with um, at uh, SC, Mike Berry, and then Tom Coughlin. Yeah. So those are like the calls, like because I wanted like my whole view of this thing is like I don't think anyone, whether it's the Hall of Fame, success in business, um, getting to the NFL all by itself. No one gets there by themselves. Like we all like in this, our culture, we all want to pound our chest and say, look what I did. And the hall of fame is like the biggest individual honor you can have, but I'm just a firm believer. Like none of us get have success in life by ourselves. It's impossible. Um, and as I look back over life and this has been a a lot of reflection by me is like one, I didn't make myself six, seven in athletic. That was a gift of God that he smiled on me for whatever reason. Um, and he put great people in my life. That's what I'm thankful for. Like when I showed up to SC, I couldn't even, I never had run block in my life. I mean, pass block in my life. We mm-hmm. ran like a wing T mm-hmm. in high school. And John Masco taught me how to pass block. Pat Harlow, who's a former first rounder, was a senior at SC and taught me how to play, helped me learn how to play the game of football. My high school coach moved me to offensive line. I wanted to play quarterback like every other damn kid in America. He made me an offensive lineman. My dad, um, you know, lied for me when I was eight years old uh, so I could go play padded Pop Warner because you had to be nine years old in Colorado. And I was begging him and driving him crazy. I mean, like, just go back and reflect and, like, the people's fingerprints that are on my life that helped me become who I am. Yeah. Um, I'm so thankful for that. I mean, it's, it, it's such a cool um, – there's so many cool moments – like through this process, like my favorite people have asked me, like, what's your favorite moment so far? I mean, like, obviously walk, you know, Anthony Munoz, who like, that's who I wanted to be. What a great hug, hugger, hug. dude. He's a great, oh, hug. He's like, how dude. about the hug on that guy? Just the mitts. He just like, I felt like I was like, let's go getting close. I mean, I didn't want to, didn't want to let go. Um, yeah. Walking on, walking on the stage at honors, Bruce Smith introducing me amazing. was cool as amazing. But I'll tell you one that, you know, that uh, in a private moment, so like Thursday night after honors, the Jaguars and my wife like hosted this party at USC yeah. uh, for me. And I had a bunch of old teammates and everything else. And they did this video, like people like saying nice things, but you know, my friend, my friends, half of them were giving digs at me mm-hmm. in the video with like, good fun stuff. 
But at the end, um, all of a sudden my dad pops up on the screen. Right. And my wife and my good friend, a guy named Eric Murphy, convinced my dad 12 days before he died to make a video congratulating me to making the Hall of Fame. And they said, and he didn't want to do it because my dad was pride, like, you know, strong and like pride and didn't want to admit that he was dying. And they convinced him to do it. And so all of a sudden I'm sitting in this room in this video of all these like light moments of people saying nice things, joking. My dad comes up on the video and, and dude, I couldn't even watch it. And all I remember, I, I got to go back and watch it. I, cause I couldn't get through it. Um, when it was playing, all I remember is he said, I'm so proud of you. Mm. And like that, what else does a son want to hear, but their dad to say they're proud of him. And so that, like that moment right there. And the fact that my wife and my good friend thought of doing that, it was just, it was magical. That's amazing. Gives me chills. I mean, yeah. And, and, and to top it off, as you mentioned, I think it's really cool as a player, whether you're a hall of famer or whether you're a regular player to meet a guy you used to battle with. And there's actually respect there. Like there's a mutual respect. And when you, when you share that moment and you guys having the ultimate like mutual respect, your first game against Bruce Smith, I was read about it. You yeah. know, you, you blocked oh, him yeah. and, it, and just the, how, what a great player he was and what a great player you were. And just to see you guys, him kind of pass the torch to you at honors and kind of, that's just a cool moment. Talk about y'all's relationship or, you know, is there something special? Yeah. There? Well, no, you know, it's funny. Cause oh, you know, Everyone's like talking about Aaron Donald. Is he the greatest defensive player ever? Mm-hmm. And he's one of them. Mm-hmm. But like we forget because like, it's just like recency bias. Mm-hmm. Bias. Like and like we, whatever is happening now, we think it's the greatest ever. And, and taking nothing away from Aaron Donald. But sure, we just put won, Matt Stafford in the Hall of Fame the other day, I think. Yeah. We're all complicit you know, here. Complicit. Yeah, we're all complicit. We all do it. Uh, I do it. It's like, oh, it's the greatest moment ever. It's like, it's the greatest game I've ever seen. Like, yeah. What about the one a year ago? It's yep, the same yep, thing. Yep. But so in 96, we're playing the Bills in the playoffs. They're, they have four Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers on their roster. Bruce Smith was defensive MVP. Yeah. And here we are. And our game plan like we like really simple. Like we, we were one-on-one as offensive tackles. There was no sliding, barely any chipping. Um, and Kevin Gilbride, the offense coordinator at the time basically looked at me and says, you're going to block Bruce Smith today or on Sunday. I'm like, and that's it. Like, that's all you could come up with. And all the hundred hours of meetings you guys have as coaches, <laughs> like <laughs> you're trusting me. And so, and I remember watching film on him as all of us do. And I watched every game that year and no one had blocked him. Like he was just wrecking havoc, just killing people. And I remember walking out going like, here we go. We're going to find out whether you belong or not. And we battled. It was yeah. just a crazy one-on-one battle and, and a lot of talking and him mad, you know, doing what every defense alignment, I'm sure you did. Yeah, we get mad, bad match. Complaining, oh, you're holding yeah. me. Yeah. I'm like, shut <laughs> up. I'm not holding you. And, uh, you and didn't. So ha- you be- didn't have to hold, but some of these motherfuckers <laughs> had to hold. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we bat- We had a bunch. We played a few more times in the in throughout his career, and and we didn't have any relationship. Yeah. Like, I, like for a while, like he wouldn't even answer questions about me. That's wild. And uh, and and so we had no relationship. So, like you can imagine, 
when I came out, I had no idea who was introducing me at honors. No clue. Yeah. Like, cause every other hall of famer, like someone played from their organization yep. is in the hall of fame. Like there's no Jaguars, right. like there's no one else. And so I had no idea what they were going to do. So I walk out, it's Bruce Smith. And I'm like, okay, this is really damn cool. First yeah. of all. And probably one of my favorite moments is he comes up on stage afterwards and all, with all the other hall of famers. And he came and gave me a big hug and said, welcome to the team. Welcome right. to all fame. Like in there's in as a player, like you don't have to like me and I don't have to like you, but I want respect and you want my respect. That's it. And that's like the greatest thing about the game of football. Like you can beat the shit out of each other for 60 minutes and just try to kill each other. But all I want at the end is your respect. And all you want is my respect. Like we go, we went and played the game the right way. And uh, when Bruce came up there, it was number one gracious of him. It was great. And I, I joked with him because he, you know, he wore the, he was representing now. He had the red jacket on, mm-hmm. the 100 year football. Yeah, that's a sick looking jacket, too. That sick looking. I said, I was at that Super Bowl. Fame. Yeah, they that had was the, too. That yeah, was yeah, amazing. Yeah. And, the, and they looked sick. Bill in a red jacket. Like, oh, just so, just, just, just so sweet. They should have made him uh, even brighter. Me, I mean, the, these guys are amazing. So. Well, because think about it, like that's the Hall of Famers of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there's like, it, like those are the dudes. Yeah, it's pretty damn and, cool. And uh, and so the battle with him and have him introduce me was it was awesome. That's so amazing, man. All right, so I've heard you talk about two players in particular from Jacksonville. You're going to be the first Hall of Famer uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Also, yep. one of our producers, Taylor, is a big Jags fan, so we get some Jags fans in the house. And then, um, you know, out of those two guys. I know you think they both should get in, but speaking for the general public, like, do you worry that one won't? Do you worry that one is going to have a harder time because of the way he's perceived? You know, this would you're be talking a, about, you're talking about Fred, Fred yeah, and Smith, yeah, yeah, and yeah, Smith and 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 Fred Taylor. Taylor. Yep. So I always go by this, and and I always tell people, like, I want to know what what other players right. think about guys. Yeah. Like, like, tell me when you played, like, when you had to match up man-to-man against jimmy smith let me know how that worked out for you yeah it didn't work out well the dude had 290 yards against the baltimore ravens the year they were the number one defense in the history of this league we scored 34 36 points against them um i'll say this chris you'll understand this is our offense at the end of the day was pretty simple we'd line up if there were seven in the box we were running we're giving it to fred taylor Mm -hmm. if there was eight in the box and there was single eye safety and man outside we were throwing it to jimmy Mm -hmm. and nobody could they couldn't stop jimmy and Fred Taylor, I think there's three backs. He has over 12,000 yards in history in his career. Uh, there's only three backs that have averaged more than 4.6 yards per carry for his whole career. Think about that, 12, over right. 12,000. It's Fred Taylor, Jim Brown, and I want to say it's Adrian Peterson's the third. There's nobody – I mean, these dudes – they didn't ever got the recognition they deserve because they played in a small market. It's the market like, but, thing. Yeah, it's the market thing, isn't it? But go ask the guys who played against them. Yeah. And yeah. that, that's when you'll get the true answer of what it was like to match up against those guys every day. So you you were expansion team twice, right? <laughs> well, well, the second time never quite worked out because my damn shoulder. I yes. know, but I was going to ask, like, considering everything, you're a rookie going to a brand new team. You know, you've been in the big city. You're going to Jacksonville, Florida. They have a team there. And you, you, it's I probably, didn't know it's, where it was. Yeah, it's like terrifying on a level, but then probably also when later in your career, like you don't know how you, I don't know how your health was like in your head yeah. at that point, and you're going yeah. to start somewhere new. Like what was scarier, the first time joining a brand new team or the second time? They were scary for different reasons. Yeah. The first time because 
like people ask me all the time, do you wish you would have played for like the Cowboys or the Giants or some Steelers, like these historical teams? And then people have told me like, well, if you played with one of those teams, you'd already be in the Hall of Fame. I said, yeah. you know what? I wouldn't trade it for anything because I have the honor and the responsibility of being the first pick of a franchise. Yeah. And like, like, and I take that seriously. Um, and, but I was terrified because I was going to let him down. Um, like I realized when I was 23 years old and they made me the second overall pick, like they're like, you remember you it's were fucking scary. Pick. I was second. Yeah. I was second. I was second. Like you. And you know, I, second. I, people are always like, how'd that accomplishment feel? I'm like accomplishment. It felt like more of a fucking giant challenge. Yeah. I was like, I remember walking in. I'm like, and all I didn't like, Cause you hear about the bus. Yeah. You and I'm like, I never want to be considered. Yeah. I, and I, and so I, like, there was just like fear, I guess, like, yeah. like overwhelming feeling of like, you can't let these people down. They're investing millions of dollars in their franchise on you. Yeah. And so I took it as like a responsibility. You know, the second time with the Texans, I was in a bad place. My shoulder was messed up. I'd had three, the surgery, the, the first surgery, they, I think it screwed it up more. Um, I had two more after that. I was working, 12 16 hours a day and rehabbing it and it was terrifying because i could see the end and i wasn't ready to be done like i wanted to play more like i loved the game I, and my body was not letting me and i was depressed it was it was like like i was i mean we didn't talk about depression or mental health much back you know when i was playing but if i would have gone and seen somebody they'd probably like like dude you're like clinically depressed like i didn't want to do anything i didn't want to leave the house i didn't i mean i was just obsessed with the fact that my career was over and uh and so that was a miserable time and i didn't want to leave that jacksonville because of the injury my cap number um you know i was the easy choice to you know send down the road to houston and the only thing that made it even manageable, and I know the McNair family gets all kind of heat in the press because of, you know, as owners of the Texans, but I'll tell you my experience with uh, Bob McNair has passed away since just one of the most gracious, like good dudes ever. Yep. Like I'll never forget. He brought me into his office with the GM head coach of so Dom Capers was the head coach at the time. Charlie Cash was the GM. They all bring me in the doctors and trainers. And here's Bob McNair in this big old conference room, big table. And I'm like, here I am, the player they're paying all this money to that they want to protect their rookie quarterback, and I'm freaking useless. And you know as a player how that feels. Like, because yeah, you feel like yeah, I'm dude. only here for one reason, and now I can't do it. And I'll never forget this. He he starts the whole meeting, and I'm thinking I'm they're getting ready to figure out how to get rid of me or force me to play or do anything, which I would have been happy to be forced to play. I begged them, they wouldn't let me, they wouldn't clear right. me. And he starts the whole meeting, he says, Hey, listen. I just want to let you know what we're, we're talking about today. I want to know what's best for Tony Baselli. Right. We are going to make a decision what is best for him. Not for the organization, not for anything else, but best for Tony Baselli. And that just, like that, like I was, I was so thankful because I was in such a, it was not a good time in my life that like, at least you felt like somebody was thinking about you. But yeah, so different, different feelings, different scariness. I don't know if scariness is really a word, but different levels of being scared. Well, we can, um, all, yeah. Like I remember just the end of your career is the fucking most terrifying part of your whole football. Like you think about it your whole football life. I mean, I don't know about you, but you're always like, man, what's the end look like? Cause I, you hear about how tough retirement is and yeah. especially for you, like there's another level of mourning cause you had this awesome career and you could have played probably another 15. I was bummed and I was old and you know, not that yeah. good anymore. Like it's just fucking crazy to think of the shorter career and like you still made it it's awesome and i wonder if it like makes you think hey sterling sharp's gonna have a better shot because of me 
or because of who's the running back in Denver, uh, Terrell Davis. Davis. Like unquestionably, some of the greatest guys that ever played. Maybe a little shorter career because of injuries. But I think they should still put guys in like you and Terrell and Sterling. I think would be the next one in line that had a really short career, but was one of the all-time greats for a period. Well, the way I look at it, Chris is like you have to define what the Hall of Fame, like how you, because it's subjective. Let's yeah. be honest, it's yeah. subjective. Yeah. We have forty-nine guys voting for it and gals. There's a couple yeah. gals as well. So guys and gals voting for it, and it's a tough process. And it's and I and everyone says, "What do you think about the process?" I'm like, I I don't know. It is what it is. I don't think there's a better one. It's hard um, because you're judging people's past careers. But for me, you know, longevity always comes into the conversation. And playing a long time in football, you know, is a couple th- a couple things. You either you play for a long time for a couple reasons. One, you're really good. You have to be good to stay in the league that long. Uh, you get lucky because you just like you don't get hurt. Like, yeah. Stuff happens in this game. You know that as well as anybody. Like like friendly fire can come. Like getting sideswiped. You just don't know. Um, so you're lucky, and sometimes it's just you have better genetics. Yeah. <laughs> like your yeah. your ligaments just work better mm-hmm. than other people's ligaments. Mm-hmm. Um, so longevity matters. There's no doubt about. It. But to me, like if you defined your position for a period of time. Like to me, that's a Hall of Famer. That's it, yeah. Like, like Terrell Davis defined being a running back for a short period. He played less games than I did, but he was like the greatest playoff running back ever. Yeah. Like so, like how do you not put him in? I mean, like you bring up Sterling Sharp. It's great. It's a great. It's a great conversation because as a kid, not, not as a kid, but probably high school and college when I was that age, like Sterling Sharp was the dude. It was the dude. Like you talked about, like yeah. receivers, like Jerry Rice, Sterling Sharp, like. Yeah hard stop yeah then it's like everybody else and he busted his neck and he can't do it anymore um so but that's the subject uh subjectivity of the whole thing i'm just glad i got past yeah. that, that well, point and i got in they got but, it right yeah. they got it right man they got it right and like i'm just really fucking psyched for you man this is like i know you've been waiting and you've been really classy about the whole thing and you know uh i think it's awesome i just am so happy for you i love the video the whole thing so congrats to you and your whole family i hope you enjoy it and maybe we'll see you down the line dude yeah absolutely anytime i appreciate you having me and uh and uh always always it was fun it was fun seeing you on the field when you were back playing i was covering games back Thanks, then man. and yeah. then and watching all your success and well you're always you're always so cool to me bro i always remember how like you know people like you now hall of famer i'm like you i always refer to you as a hall of famer even before you got in but like when i meet a cool hall of famer it's just like you don't have to be that cool so i appreciate that man no man i just appreciate it i I appreciate guys who played the game i don't care if you're a backup starter pro bowl or all pro hall of famer there's like guys who played the game know and they know how hard it is and they know what you go through and and uh and you being a high pick like me you get like having this conversation today it's it's, it's cool because you you know the same feeling yep. like you walk into that building and you feel the expectations and yeah. the investment that's been made and yet and it's like here we go yeah so uh, like dude i just appreciate you having me on yeah, love man. that all the success you're having post career and Thanks, i'm glad brother. you found you, you found your lane and now you're running it it's i don't have cool. to wear a suit like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah neither do I'm, you I, yeah. I, yeah no kidding <laughs> now you well, do you gotta wear a, a, a mustard suit you and my pop so i'll be i'll see you there <laughs> well, man. Now we're teammates yeah now we're teammates <laughs> me and your dad are teammates yeah man all right well hey tony congratulations bro it's great to see you appreciate it. thanks for having me all right buddy see ya 
I'd like to mention Tony Baselli is a heck of a guy, huh? What a guy. Hall of Fame guy. Good thing I didn't lead with the PFT style questioning. Yeah, dude. That would have sucked. Yep. No, no Tony, offense to Tony Baselli, Matt. Our you. esteemed guest here, PFT. I would love to see you pass rush Tony Baselli. Can we set up a thing? I bet Tony would let you pass rush him. Probably. I mean, you're washed now. We could triple team him. For sure, dude. Yeah. We get PFT on him. Yeah. PFT commenter. If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I got great news for you. WinBet is now offering $200 in free bets for new users. That's right, 200 big ones. WinBet is basically giving you free money. Don't pass it up. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. In New York, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789. PFT, my name is Macon. Oh, y'all haven't What's met. What's up, Macon? No. We have not. Mm, well, you guys will have some stuff to talk about. Macon, are you the are you the PFT or are you the big cat of this podcast? He's definitely the PFT. Never heard of those two. What <laughs> to, to what are you referring? <laughs> uh, no, I'm the smart one, so I'm PFT. You're PFT, okay. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Cool. I'm the the, and the jock. You're the yelling. stoner. Yeah, I'm the, sto- the stoner. Stoner. Well, yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I weigh more than him, <laughs> so yeah. that too. You know, by the way, lived in Seville at one point. In Seville. Yeah. Nice. It was a Seville resident right off the downtown mall there. Wow. Um, I, I, always, I always bring this up to Chris, but his sandwich at, uh, it's not Jimmy John's. What is it? Little John's. His Little sandwich John's. that he had named after him at Little John's sucks. Well, it's a bad sandwich. <laughs> well, Horse mayo. Well, that's fucking insensitive <laughs> because Little John's is now defunct and it just went under. So I hope you feel bad. Probably because your sandwich was such trash. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, dude, we have Tony Baselli on. He had a Baselli burger at McDonald's. It was three patties, three beef patties, a piece of cheese on a sesame bun. They called it the Baselli burger. I think I did big time. Yeah. When they just like kind of repurpose a big hamburger, like nothing special on there. I mean, just getting a sandwich at McDonald's, like it doesn't get any bigger than that. (laughs) That's not a local thing. It's, this yeah. is the this is the king stuff here. That's king shit. All right, so how are you feeling on the nicotine thing, dude? I saw you were talking about you're not vaping. Good question. Yeah, uh, I mean it's embarrassing to talk about. I'll be honest with you because let's, I'm a, let's dive right in. I'm, I'm a 37 year old man, yeah. and uh, I'm trying to kick a jewel habit, and so that's <laughs> there's nothing cool about that. It was one of these things, and it started about five years ago where. Me and Big Cat do this sometimes where we get really into something ironically, kind of as a joke, <laughs> but it, turn, it turns out that nicotine addiction doesn't understand irony. Mm. And so we started to vape a lot and then it kind of got its hooks in us. He was able to transition off. I know that he uses now that Black Buffalo stuff. Oh, Black uh, Buffalo. Yeah. Is that like a dip? Yeah. It's like a, a, a non-tobacco nicotine dip. And I think he's just doing tea leaves now, which is like no nicotine whatsoever. But um, I've been like going back and forth ever since the vape. What I did was I transitioned off vaping uh, to smoking analog cigarettes. And then I was able to quit vaping by smoking actual cigarettes. And uh, (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) That's a camel. Chris just fired up a dart. 
I just fired up a dart <laughs> to tempt you. I want to see how strong your will is. I'm fine, man. I'm good. I'm now I'm now three days without vape, three days without smoking cigarettes. I'm feeling good, <laughs> feeling great. Putting this out, feeling now. strong. Yeah, you no, the it, test. It, it's aggressive. Like a two thirty in the afternoon sober dart is one that yeah, that'll sting. But a two thirty, you know, at Miller's down on the mall here. If you ever went to Miller's in your time here. A 2.30 a.m. dart feels just right. It does. You know, Dave Matthews used to be a bartender there. A lot of people I've heard that. that. <laughs> he spent time in Charlottesville. Did you pick up that habit, ironically or unironically, Dave Matthews' habit while you were here? So Dave Matthews is, is a guy that I've always, like, I guess I respect what he's done. And yeah. I think he's a good musician. He's had a lot of good guys in his band, like really, really talented. But it's never it's never been something that I've really vibed with where I can just like chill out and listen to Dave for a couple hours, you know? Wow. Um, I like the live stuff though. Some of the live stuff is is really good musically. That's where the that's where the magic happens. I don't listen to a ton of studio, Dave. I just like I've I know I've been to some of the best shows I've ever been to have been uh Dave shows and they go forever. Carter, all those guys. All right, I want to talk about the drive across the country, you know, that you guys just embarked on in that camouflage uh pickup truck with Billy Football. I'm kind of mm -hmm. jealous of you. Like a lot of people are jealous of you for a lot of reasons. I'm jealous of you because you get to hang out with Billy Football a lot. Is he what he seems? Billy is even more what he seems than you think he is. Like, if anything, he's he's like a, a damped down version of what he really is on the air. Some people like turn it up to 11. Billy's actually like a seven. And then when the cameras turn off, he just he he just kind of becomes this this full like frat bro, but also very curious, intellectual kind of guy. He's he's a tough guy to describe. He he is obsessed with wildlife. He's Aaron Rodgers. Love yeah, actually, that's not a bad comparison. <laughs> it really isn't. He he is similar to Aaron Rodgers, except we made Billy get vaccinated. Uh, okay. so he, yeah. <laughs> Dan Dan has Aaron Rodgers on the set. Doesn't even know it. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're actually they share a lot of similarities. They're intellectually curious. Yeah. Um, don't always have the best follow through. Uh, Billy doesn't have a lot of success in the playoffs either, but he's wow. done a lot. He's, he's been like a good, a good solid addition. And honestly, he was the best person that I could have had on the cross country road trip. No, he because he question. drove the entire way. Is that, that right? Yeah. So he, he drove probably 60% of the way. He also got drunk at 10 o'clock in the morning at Amarillo and tried to eat that 72 ounce steak, which he, the steak just absolutely fucked him up. He just, he just, didn't, he didn't stand a chance, did he? Was he confident leading into that thinking he, he could take it down? Yeah. Yeah. He, he thought he had a strategy worked out for it, but his strategy consisted of attempting to challenge at 10 AM drinking beers before he started eating and then working out in the parking lot. There was nothing, there was nothing that was remotely positive about what he was doing. There was no, nothing they did to put himself in a better position to take out the steak. So the steak just bodied him up. The steak punished Billy. And then Billy just kept getting drunk that day. And I, I took over and drove, but he was a fun guy That's to take funny. a road trip with. <laughs> yeah. Cause he, you know, there, it, it's a tough situation when you're in the car and you've got 42 hours to drive. You're looking at the clock ticking down on the GPS and every day it says you've got 10 hours left, 11 hours left, whatever the case may be. And it's really easy to get negative in a situation like that and to start being like, Oh God, this is so much time. But with Billy, he's kind of like, he's a mix between Aaron Rodgers and a Gronkowski. 
Oh the yeah. best way to put it. That's a so, and that that is a beautiful entity to be driving next to across the country. That yeah. guy's going to stimulate some off, like kind of off the wall conversation. He's going to keep things positive. He's going to have fun. He's going to try to eat a seventy-two ounce steak. Um, how did it come out on the other end? I threw it up, so he, oh. he had to tap. This, <laughs> the steak made him tap. Steak made him tap. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was not not an impressive showing. In fact, you know who the most disgusted person was with Billy's effort? Oh, it wasn't Billy. It wasn't me. It wasn't Big Cat. It was Stanford Steve. Oh, Stanford yeah. Steve. <laughs> he hates Billy. He absolutely <laughs> hates the guy. And I think that they would like each other. But Stanford sees, Steve just sees like so much untapped potential in Billy that he's disgusted by, yeah. by his, his very existence. So he actually he hit me up the day before Billy and I were going to be leaving on this trip. And he was like. Billy is such a fucking jerk. There's no chance he makes it across this country. And he, he was, he was disappointed because when Billy did the initial food challenge where he tried to do the flatliner wings at the Buffalo wing factory, in Northern Virginia, Billy only ate like half of a wing. He ate two wings yeah. and he had to give up. So then when he found out that, that he was going to be doing the 72 ounce steak, Steve was like, there's no fucking way that Billy's able to even touch this steak. And he was just disgusted with him. And so we actually came up with an idea for a recurring uh, series on our show, which is to just send Billy to do food challenges, but just it's man versus food, but if food just wins every single time, <laughs> just, just dominates the dog <laughs> shit out of him. Do you remember when yeah. you and I drove to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to hang out with Kenny Chesney and big Ben? Did I eat something? No, I just remember that we got along so well and now we do a podcast and we, we no longer <laughs> we have a friendship. Okay, so ask them that ask PFT that question. Well, and I, I would reckon more so uh, Dan than Billy. Do you, do you and Dan maintain a friendship or is it purely a professional relationship at this point because Chris and I no longer see each other outside the of the studio? The podcast ate the friendship, and that's okay. That's a, that's that's a good question. Thank you. I, I, I consider uh, I consider Big Cat to be one of my best friends, and but that but friendship looks different now than yeah. it did five six years ago because you know he's got kids and we work a lot and so we I spend more of my time with Big Cat than anybody and so uh, we see each other at work we're together constantly but then at the end of the day he's got to go home and, and be a dad be a family man and that's what he does so he doesn't really have any free time we don't like hang out or go out uh, on the weekends. He doesn't have time See, to do that. I have kids yeah. and I venture out of my house on the weekends. You not so much. I think No, that, just last Friday we were kicking a soccer ball around. At a winery with a bunch of kids. Yeah. That doesn't count. I mean, like, no offense. It was a good effort. But then when but, we got together, we started to do the podcast, yeah, which right. was interesting. That was fucked. Actually, yeah, like, some of I mean, your best material. You guys catch up and then, like, try to hang out and then start talking shop naturally. Yeah, and if you know Big Cat, you know that he's always been kind of a homebody, anyways. Where yeah. like he goes home, he loves his couch. He loves watching, uh, you know, five different games at once on TV and gambling on all of them. And he loves eating his ice cream. And so that's what that's what his recreational weekend activities would be. Probably before kids. Now that he's got kids, you know, he's got other home obligations he's got to take care of. So uh, yeah, I, I consider him a friend. But it's not like we spend all of our time outside of work together. Now, there, there was about an hour and a half at the Super Bowl in L.A. where uh, me and Bubba, one of the producers on part of my take, were just hanging out by the pool, ripping darts, drinking some, uh, some Coors Lights at really, really late at night. And then Big Cat comes stumbling home after hanging out with Rosillo. Yeah, like, yeah. 
Yeah, over, uh, three over o'clock. the South Bay. Yeah, and I got another story to tell you about that. Um, one of these stories that I, I remembered like the day after, and I was like, that was really cool. Uh, but Big Cat comes home at like 3 a.m., and then he's just like stumbling by the pool, and then Hank steps out of his hotel room right in front of Big Cat, and it's, we just look at each other we're like, oh, my God. Then Big Cat and Hank come out, and we just start – doing like an hour and a half of part of my take with no cameras or anything. We just start talking shit, shit and talking shop. And then an hour and a half later, we realize that we've just done an entire episode. And probably one of the best you would have done all year. Oh, it was the best one ever. Yeah. You'll never hear it. It's like, it's like saying Patrick Mahomes had this one pass in practice one time mm-hmm. where he made the ball curve. He threw a slider, mm-hmm. uh, but, but you'll never see it. You'll never see it. He didn't it. see it either. Would you like to no recap look. that hypothetical pass as Patrick Mahomes? Oh, uh, yeah, so I threw the dickens out of this ball and made a hard left turn. It was crazy. Killing it. Kelsey saw Kelsey and hit right in the chin <laughs> I want to talk about macro dosing. That's what's next on my list. Arian Foster, y'all's friendship. You know, you got Big Cat and those guys. Very different vibe on macro dosing, and it seems like y'all, like, really hit it off. Why is that, and how long have you, like, kind of back-channeled with Arian? I met Arian for the first time, I want to say like three or four years ago. He was introduced to us initially by our mutual friend, Tommy, who knows. Yeah. Tommy. Yeah. Tommy knows every person under the sun. I'd like to go to a dinner once, Tommy. Oh, you haven't got the invite. I've gotten invited. I'm just being dramatic. Uh, I feel bad because I haven't been able to make it out to too many of the dinners. The problem is like every time they do the picture at the end of the dinner, yeah, it's always me just like way out of my league with like <laughs> mega stars. Yeah. And then <laughs> I think you're selling yourself short, but the, he does have some heavy hitters at those fucking dinners. Like you got to prepare yourself before you go to one. Yeah. I had like my arm around Malcolm Gladwell's shoulder at the That's last sick. one. It's like, okay. <laughs> that, that was when my grandma was like, you know what? He's made it. He's finally made it. When I got to meet, when Malcolm Gladwell knew who I was, uh, but yeah, no, I, I got introduced to Aaron through Tommy and then we just kind of kept in touch. He was a guest on part of my take and I listened to, uh, his album that he put out. Yeah. And a lot of times if, if there's an athlete that's putting out their own music, it's, some stuff will be good. It's like hit or miss. It's most, way, it's miss, 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 miss hit. Yeah. Respect to Antonio Brown because hit not the palace has been stuck in my head for, Oh like, dude, that's got months. some real staying power. Doesn't it? It does, yeah. Fuck, unfortunately. And, and so I, I listened to Arian's album, and I was like, holy shit, this is really good. Yeah. And so I told him that, and then we kind of kept in touch and talked about music occasionally. Uh, and then, you know, had an idea to make a podcast that was mostly about, you know, stuff that we don't get into on part of my take, stuff that's not sports-related, things that are more open-ended, conspiracy theories, just deep dives into weird topics that, that interest us and he was down for it okay the the birds do the birds the birds that fell out of the sky this week in mexico there were fucking 300 birds what was it 500 birds fell out of the sky dead on arrival many of them like flew up in the air again it was bizarre some of them died some of them didn't all right pft what happened so I've seen the video. I haven't, I've only seen one angle of it though. And so I'm told that there was some sort of electrocution that happened to the birds, but this used to be a thing. I remember 10 years ago, there was like an epidemic of mass amounts of animals dying every week. Yes. And it might also be one of those things where when people start looking for it, then you see it and you notice it happening 
all the time everywhere. So we might be in for another wave of that because I was really hot on the internet back in like 2012. Oh, yeah. A bunch of fish wa- washed ashore at some lake. Everybody says, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's anything nefarious. It's like when you start dating somebody who drives a silver RAV4 and you start having some trust issues and then you start seeing RAV4s you just fucking hate RAV4s everywhere. Yeah. Because you're yeah. looking for them. There are a lot of RAV4s out there. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk some football here, man. You're, you got two friends here that got hired today. Two of your buddies, I would consider, it seems like, Dana Holgerson and Harbaugh. They got their extensions. Uh, Harbaugh's getting seven mil a year with a smaller buyout. Does that say he's going to the league in the next three years? Because the smaller buyout thing, to me, says, like, I'm out the door. You guys better just pay up and, and pay me good and don't get used to me being here. What do you think? Yeah. Is Harbaugh going to be back in the league in the next three to five years? I think he is. I think he's got to because Harbaugh is a guy that he he kind of wears on people. And I love Harbaugh. I love – like, he he's such a good coach and he's – a hilarious individual and we appreciate everything about him, but he's a guy that if you, if you have him around for a long enough time, he will make some enemies. Yeah. He'll rub some people the wrong way. And that's because he's just like laser focused on one thing, actually two things. He's focused on football and then reading quotes about football. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think he spends actually half of this day just reading books of quotations. And then he just writes them down on his giant whiteboard yeah. and stares, <laughs> stares at the quotes. Yeah. It's actually incredible if you see how many quotes this guy burns through in, in a day. Uh, but I, I think he rubs people the wrong way uh, the longer he's around because he gets into power struggles. And guess what? He's going to win because he's that stubborn of a guy sometimes where he'll just outlast people. Hutchinson but, said he lifts weights in khakis. He, he works yeah. out in his khakis. Yeah, he does. And he's just an intense dude all the time. What you see is what you get. And I, I'm pretty sure that he also takes reps at practice. I think he probably puts on a helmet and pads and gets I'm out I'm going to file that and, under the Patrick Mahomes slider. I don't know. I don't know. I got to see it to believe it, dude. I got to see it. The best to w- throw of the season was actually Coach Harbaugh. <laughs> it was Coach Harbaugh. Hey, Holgerson, what kind of guy is he? Let's say, actually, let me put it this way. JMU, by the way, go Dukes. Our producer, Cowboy Reed, is a is a Duke. We've got Taylor, Let's who's go. a Duke as well. So, how does it feel to be a bad loss on a resume of a bubble team? Fun belt, <laughs> baby. Uh, you know that's a good that's a good question, man. We we stomped UVA. That was. That was We're not, bad. It's okay. That's embarrassing. We're not talking about it. But let's say that JMU has an opening. And what were the four coaches that we talked about? It's, say JMU's down to Holgerson, Harbaugh, Ogeron, Ogeron, uh, Coach O, who's, that's his guy too. And then we'll throw in Urban Meyer. Who is JMU hiring to be the head football coach in Harrisonburg? That's a good question. You could not hire Coach Coach Meyer up there. The ratio is so far off. It's like seventy <laughs> percent women. Yeah. That would be a, that would be fishing with dynamite up there. A recipe for disaster. Yeah, I think I, I would take Dana. Dana's got the. Uh, he's shown that he has the ability to recruit in the Appalachian Valley. That's a key. And yeah, that's key. That you get all the transfers uh, from the, your Blue Ridge Community Colleges, your uh, your Norfolk Community Colleges, your ODUs. Yeah. Your powerhouse is like that. Yeah. I know. I, I would love to have Dana there. I think Dana would actually love JMU. We have uh, an ample supply of Red Bull. So that's that's number one, <laughs> honestly. I was actually saying that he should hire Coach O to be his defensive guy or like defensive line coach yes. at Houston. Can you imagine the two of, the, uh, of oh. those guys? Like, 
hitting the town. Can you imagine telling Coach O what to do? I don't know if I could no. tell Coach O what to do. I don't think Coach O's in a taking orders mood lately. No, I don't he's, think a, he's, he's a wild animal. He, you he, just he, your best hope for Coach O is just to like tag him. Just yeah, tag like, him, like you see where he go, go, like a great white shark off the coast of Cape Cod. <laughs> yeah, just see what the fuck Coach O is up to. All right, so you said you could break the sack record. That was something we saw in uh, Pardon My Take. You said you could do it in in because it's it's now seventeen games. PFT said he could do it. Do you still feel that way, or was that just a the thing that day? No, I've got a lot of validation for that take actually because yeah. it's seventeen game season, and a lot of people were mistaken and they thought that I was playing defensive end in a three four setup. Not yet. But no. no, no, I'm not playing. I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm not responsible for any gaps. I'm talking pure edge, pure pinning my ears back. Seventeen game season. Strahan did it in sixteen. Yeah. So uh, and then TJ Watt, I think, only played like fourteen games. Yep. This year, I heard so that. Yeah. if I stayed healthy for every single rep throughout a full season, I think I could do it. Well, okay, so, it's so a, then it's a leverage game, respectfully, and a lot of these tackles are six 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 seven. Ankle flexion, total ankle flexion leverage game. Do, what do you? Uh, who do you model your game after? Reggie White. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got, I got, I got a lot of Reggie White in me. That farm strength. I'll just take one arm and just shove you off. Mm-hmm. You don't see it coming. No, it was the funniest part about that whole discussion was uh, there were some people that were arguing with me and saying, "Dude, you're full of shit. There's no way you'd be lucky to get three or four. And I'd be like, "You are completely missing the. You're point. totally <laughs> missing the point here. Three or four, like that's that like." I can remember busting my ass for a calendar year to get like four or five late in my career. Like they are so hard to come by. It is incredible. Okay. So if you're like Joe, if Joe Burrow's coming up to you during the Super Bowl, like, hey, nice to meet you, Eric. Like, hey, I'm Joe Burrow. Like he was doing, he was was trying to kiss up to the Rams D lineman. Are you going to be a hard ass or are you going to be like, nice to meet you, Joe Burrow? I'm trying to figure out what, what your psychological profile is as a pass rusher. No, I, I don't, I don't acknowledge my opponents. Okay. on the field or off it. I remember there was a guy that was getting mad at you online last year, Chris, about how like football players used to hate each other. And now they're all friends. Now they all hang out in the offseason. Yeah. That's I agree with that guy. I miss when, when players used to like see their rivals down in Miami beach outside a nightclub in the offseason and try to run each other with their cars. That was, that was when the NFL was Who great. Who could forget? Who could no. forget those times? Well, when mean Joe Green used to mail poisonous snakes to his opponents. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. it's like Andrew Whitworth who will never join the huddle. He never joins the huddle. He in just case stares somebody at his opponent. Jumps across the line of scrimmage because he's forty-five. He was in the NFL when that stuff yeah. used to happen. So you don't talk to D linemen. What if you get an inside hand punch guy? How are you going to rush him? Like if a guy's holding his out outside arm in in pass mm-hmm. rush, if he's if he's just giving you. Uh, inside punch and a deep set. Like, how are you rushing that guy? All right, so I either pull the swim on him or Mm -hmm. I just simply pin my ears back. (laughs) How do you pin your your ears back? Just got to, you got to set the edge and then you got to dial it up. Would you consider sticking your foot in the ground? Yeah, that's more if I'm playing running back. You know, okay. foot in yeah, the ground. Yeah, yeah. One, one cut, cut. One cut. Yeah. Maybe go. The funniest shit is though. Go downfield. 
If we're yeah, talking no. about like DBs or running backs, I'm on the same plane as you guys with the cliches. Like I have no fucking clue what they're doing half the time. All right, so is Tony Baselli, you know, is Tony Baselli getting in, is that good for you? Like when Tony Baselli uh, got in trying, or he's getting in trying coming up, is that as a D lineman that's rushed a lot of big tackles, do you think he's worthy of the honor? Yeah, you know, like he's a guy that, that you look at and you study film and you try to model your game in, in ways that can do things that he's unable to do. And exactly. Makes, he may be a better player yeah. watching his tape because I, I get to learn exactly, you know, new strategies that I wouldn't get to, to pick up if I'm just going against the average guys that I'm playing against in my practice or, or Madden League. I love you pretending to be a D lineman. It's one of my favorite things. Um, he could be Reggie really white. Reggie, that's that's that was what I associated it with. Okay, so let's do let's fix the NFL. We alluded to this last podcast that we were going to play commissioner for a day and fix the NFL for the 2022-2023 season. Uh, if you're the Commanders, then it's actually the 2023 season, right? They put the, <laughs> they put the wrong year. On. <laughs> that's right. I actually think it's the right year. Yeah, I think it's the right year. I think, like you know, like winning the Super Bowl in that year. I'm, I'm a stickler. No, I'm Team Dan, Dan Snyder on this one thing. Yeah, uh, our, our coworker Frank the Tank had a genius idea. I mean, everything that the guy says is, you know, out of this world smart. But he he had the idea of just rewriting the calendar, as opposed to doing like the the like ancient Roman calendar or the Mayan calendar. Who, based their stuff off math and stars and the moons. He says that we should do our calendar based on when sports end. So the sports year yes. would end right after the Super Bowl. That's that great. way nobody gets confused. That's so good, dude. That is good. That's good. They so, they when were you born? The 17th day of the NFL playoffs. They petitioned the league to use the Roman numerals, and the league said, nah. Well, they need to fix that <laughs> fucking, those Super Bowl numerals. They're terrible. We talked about that last week. Well, they're week. getting too high. Yeah. They're getting way too high. And they're so basic. Okay, Mike, you want to go first with a couple of the things that you would fix? Yeah. To snap the ball, the quarterback must say hut, hut, hike. Okay. I like that. All right. Nobody, okay. said, nobody says hut, hut, hike anymore. Okay. The goalposts. Right now we have two uprights. I'm adding a third right in the middle because kicking has become too easy. We got the Justin Tuckers and Evan McPhersons of the world. You hit the middle goalposts, you get, you get three points. Kick it through without, you get two. Extra point, you get the one. You don't hit it, you, you get nothing. Oh, so you have serious, like, solutions. Yeah, or perhaps you can only attempt, like, three field goals a game. I don't mean to offend you, PFT. I know you're a... You're a, a avid kicker. Kicker at, at heart. Mm -hmm. what, I, what I would like to do, sincerely, is bring back the kickoff. Put it back at the 30-yard line so we have more returns and just have everyone be a little more cognizant of the fact that, that head injuries and head trauma are a serious business. And, uh, okay, on the topic of head trauma, I had one. Uh, quarterbacks have to wear helmets with LED lights on them, and the more head trauma that they uh, receive during a game, the brighter the light. Yeah. Player safety. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. Player safety, but also visually stimulating. Yeah, like, holy shit, Matthew Stafford is pulsing like electric blue right now. That guy is fucked up. Yeah. You might want to – you don't need a sky judge to see if the guy's concussed. He's got a helmet, right. like it's a halo thing. It's a reverse halo. Yeah, just turn the NFL into Tron as much as you can. It's just basically. Okay. Yeah, uh, I like that. Okay. Owners, right. owners or employees of teams involved in lawsuits are deposed at midfield at halftime of games <laughs> in lieu of halftime shows. Thank I Dan really Snyder, like 
or the peeping Tom from Dallas yeah. or Steven Ross. We just mic them up. It's a Judge Judy situation. I love it. And we hear what's been going on behind closed doors. Maybe I like that. I, mix I in a little Judge Joe Brown. Yeah. In, in general, I think if you get caught as an owner of videotaping your cheerleaders while they change, um, it should be zero tolerance. You only you get should. one or two warnings, then you're out. So like Jerry <laughs> Jones... Dan, or better yet, just one per per division. How is it possible that the NFC East has two owners that that were embroiled in like videotaping their cheerleaders changing? Are they, it's, it sounds like the actions of like the world's horniest fifteen year old. That's like, oh, cheerleaders, yeah, yeah. let's check it with no let's peek in the locker room like it's Porky's. No, it's funny you make a good point about the NFC East. They they're over the perv limit. Yeah, they're definitely over um, the perv limit. I've got an idea that I've been tossed around for a couple of years now. Uh, make safeties worth five points because mm. it's so hard to get a safety. They hate calling safety. You're so if, right, if the running dude. back, it gets, you know, within like a nose hair of even smelling the, the goal line coming out of the end zone on a handoff. They're going to give it to you at the one inch line. They're not going to call a safety. It's so hard to get a safety. I feel like two points is not the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Yeah, I might pass up on a safety. I might just be like. I might have a tackle and be like, yeah, it's not really worth it. I'll wait yeah, until they're five points. Yeah, I for anything less than three points, you know? That's true. That's a really good one. All right, NFL, they've been trying to end racism. You know the Salvation Army bucket, end racism bucket. White wide receivers, you score a touchdown, you got to jump in it. it. Yeah, or at least like put put some money in it, or in Riley <laughs> yeah, Cooper's dude, case. That would end racism, huh? That would That would finish the job. NFL, if you're serious about it, and racism bucket. Every team has a band, a la the the Washington Commanders, and a live mascot. Sticking. Bring yeah, bring back the live mascots. Every team you um But humanely. The command Commander Biden. That's built in right there. Commander Biden. Yeah. Okay. It's a beautiful boy. Okay. German Shepherd. I actually dog. think Major Biden should be the, the, the mascot. mascot of the Washington I Commanders. I love that dog, man. I love that piece of shit. He's such an asshole. He just bites everybody and craps in the White House, and they're just throwing him out. Who taught him how to do that? That's not the a last dog's president. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can be the forget being the dog in the White House. You can be the fucking president and act like that. You know who could be the mascot for the Steelers? Who? Swag Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one that's good. That really good stop tanking right bottom five uh brawl coaches have to fight to decide who gets the number one pick there's no dan campbell sticks around like no matter how bad he does dan campbell is can like they'll keep dan campbell around three years longer with this rule yeah because you yeah, can't you think, have him not in the bottom five brawl you think dan campbell versus variable who wins that one? That was funny. We were thinking we were thinking about that recently, and I actually have I think I have Dan Campbell, dude. I might too. Yeah, I got I got him. But think about it. What happens though if a coach gets fired that year? Is it the new coach that fights in that system? Yeah. We'd have Doug Peterson and people Brian would Dable. be just hiring badass coaches mm -hmm. for a year, like on lease. Like hire former players for a year. I've got a way to fix overtime. Okay, hit me with it. No more overtime. Okay. But if you tie, there's no game check. If you tie in the playoffs, neither team advances. If you tie in the Super Bowl, it's a split title like the AP and the coaches pull back in the day. That fucking sucks. You, you really want to avoid <laughs> tying. Yeah, no. Everybody's going to be going balls out. Yeah, a lot of two-pointers. Or the, oh. 
three goalpost thing. Safeties. What about just making all scores worth more? This has been my idea for soccer for a while now, which is like the NFL figured out a great trick or football figured out a great trick to make the game seem more exciting. It's like every time you score, it's actually worth seven points. Yes. So why don't you just up it and be like, okay, touchdowns are now worth 10. Extra points are worth three. Well, that's what they're trying to do by making it harder on the defense is they could just fool people. People be sitting there like, man, I'm watching a high-scoring game right now. The yeah. NFL is crazy. They don't, they don't care how it happens. They might not even I notice. when they used to play defense in this league. Exactly. <laughs> were 20. When fucking Lawrence Taylor was running over people with his car in South Beach. <laughs> Other players on, 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 the, on the Washington Redskins formerly, mm. of course. Um, all right. That's pretty good. I mean, I, I, would, I was kicking around maybe like, you know, uh, coaches have to match. So if, if you want to be selfish like Bruce Arians and have your own look, then all your assistants have to wear a Kangle. Um, oh, produce more foods out of NFL field soil. Yeah, like more, po- more potato chips, uh, some food. You know, you could really tackle food insecurity by just putting these NFL soils to work. Uh, another one would be sell marijuana at NFL stadiums, especially ones in California. I feel like the ones in California have all the the worst fights, most aggressive chill fans. Out. Yeah, chill yeah, people that, out. That Rams fight was pretty bad earlier this year. It was ugly. Now, okay, so I'm on record as saying that I think weed's gotten too good recently. I feel like you were talking the last yeah. five years. Yeah. It's just you cannot enjoy smoking pot, or at mm-hmm. least I can't. Some maybe if I take like two hits. I'll be okay for a while and then I'll just fall asleep or whatever. But like, I can't smoke a joint and then function for the rest of the day. It's impossible. Me to neither. Have you heard our podcasts? <laughs> it's, like fucking, it's, it's like trying to wrestle an alligator in here. I get it. I know. But I agree with you though, to a degree, like I don't want 14% bud. Is that mid to you? I don't know. See, like I don't even get into the percentages. Okay. I just missed something. Like show me something that's got a seed in it. You know, some of the real shitty <laughs> stuff that makes, real. gives me a headache. Yeah, just smoking sticks. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to come up with a brand of, of weed just called Bad Weed. That's going to be the name of it. Just for people, like to get, invest? people to get paranoid or yes. podcasters <laughs> that want to smoke out of habit, <laughs> but but they actually have to produce content. Uh, but it's the, really it, it's really weed for the last people on earth that you'd ever want to get high with. Like exactly. you're, you're just raising your hand and being like, "Yeah, I can't handle it." <laughs> exactly. But I'm with you though. Like something that's like 27, percent like it just smacks you in the face so hard you feel weird. The world is weird. I like me getting disoriented is not why I get high. Um, oh, here we go. What? What is the meaning of life? Wait, I got a couple strains real quick. Okay. Cooper Cush. Good. <laughs> Staring Donald. Smoke it, you just you just stuck. Kind of like into couch. Less weed. Less weed. Yeah. So those are my three strains. Ask your your existential question. What's the meaning of life? Uh, the meaning of life is when you're gone, the people who love you will miss you. I think I just stole that verbatim from Keanu Reeves, by the way, <laughs> but it works. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I mean, I guess. He was asking me this. You know it's going to be a good day at work when your co-host walks in and asks you that question. Yeah. Yeah. And my answer? Um, There is no meaning. Okay. All right. So mentions. (laughs) Let's do our end of the year mentions. We've got a special guest for this one. Um, Let's bang these out. Probably, I, I would say probably the most entertaining NFL season we've had. 
in five, seven years, just because of how shitty the last one was. Certainly and the longest. The longest, yeah. That'd be one way you wanted to fix. Oh, by the way, Super Bowl Saturday. Anybody? No. Of course. Okay. I, well, it, I, I think it's immaterial whether it's Super Bowl Saturday or if the day after the Super Bowl is a holiday. Either way, the point is like we want a day of recovery after No Super question. Day. No question. And think about situations like Cincinnati. They cancel school on Monday preemptively, and then you get a bunch of depressed, hungover Bengals fans watching their kids when their kids should be at school. Like, you need to, like, it fucks the plans up. Super Bowl Saturday. Um, okay. Mentions. We'll give out Hollow Man first. What do you say? So I briefed PFT on what these things mean. Hollow Man, of course, is given to the player or person who would like to become invisible, much like Kevin Bacon in the hit film Hollow Man, co starring Rona Mitra. Very topical. Yeah. Kids are kids are out there always talking about Hollow Man. They do, dude. That's kind of the joke. Uh all right, he's getting it. <laughs> I don't think any of our viewers have seen Hollow Man. <laughs> I've seen Hollow Man because I have Rona Mitra in it. All right, so Urban Meyer's an easy choice here, but I think Urban Meyer's so shameless. I don't even think he wants to be invisible. So I'm gonna take him off my board. I think the guy just says it was a toxic environment floats a medical condition, or in this case, depression, imagine how the players felt, and then moves on to the next job. So I don't think he feels like he wants to be invisible. I don't think so either. I, I think Urban Meyer is like, I, and I miss Urban Meyer. He was so fun to have around. Good content. He's one of the guys that you can point at and be like, that guy's an asshole, get him out of the league. But then when he's out of the league, you miss him. You, you yes. really do. He's yes. like Al Pacino and Scarface. He's the bad guy yes. that we need to point at. Uh, and <laughs> He was so fun. Like he only coached the Jaguars for what eight months, and we had all that content out of him. It, fe- it felt like already. an era. You can actually call it an era. Yeah, the Urban Meyer era for sure. So, I, I miss him. They, ironically, like, it was somebody else's asshole. That it's not a full joke. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would throw Teddy Bridgewater out as well. A lot of people don't remember his tackle attempt. But when you make a poor tackle attempt on film, like it's one of the smallest feelings in the NFL. And he had to feel tiny, although he has been hurt making a tackle. He just kind of like ran up and did a flyby on a guy. And then the next week, of all people, Ryan Tannehill just lays out to try to tackle some guy in the rain for Houston, juxtaposed Mm -hmm. with Teddy Bridgewater's terrible effort. Steelers receivers against Minnesota. We talked about that. That was what they were sp- spiking the ball. They were spinning the ball. They were first down signaling down 20 in two minute Vegas stomping on Kansas city's logo. It's gotta be Vernon Hargraves. Vernon Hargraves. Yeah. Uh, that was tough. They would have had that ball. Where would they have had that ball? The, the 20. 20. They ended up on the 10. Give Joe Burrow the ball at the, the 20 with a few seconds to go before the half. That's points. That's <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's what they say. Yeah. Vernon Hargraves. Uh, uh, Vernon Hargraves did all that in shower shoes. That's the that's the part of it that just makes it for me. He decided to wear socks and sandals to the Super Bowl and then run out there. Athletic as hell to get out there in socks and sandals and celebrate and not look like a fool, but you look like a fool. Yeah. I mean, we can go ahead and blame the, the Raiders one on Will Compton, too. I yeah, think that was his idea. Totally. Right? He got there, and then he stood in the He kind of stood like it wasn't his idea, but it was definitely his idea. We've seen his whole fucking playbook, dude. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I know. That was straight out of the Will Compton brain. That was a boy brain. T- tell me this, though. Yeah, the boy. <laughs> tell me this. 
Go look at the go look at the lead singer for the Bee Gees and tell me he doesn't look like Will Compton. I realized it this weekend. So who are you giving yours to, P? Well, uh, so what about uh, the the punter for the Packers, Bajorquez? Bajorquez? I don't know how to pronounce his name. I've been saying it a different way every single week. Bojo, but Bojo, Bojo. There you go, Bojo. I think that Bojo was the problem with Mason Crosby this year. Yeah, which really screwed a lot of stuff up. Either that or the long snapper. Uh, but there was something that was messed up about their special teams all year. And then when it happened in the playoffs, it's like, okay, well, this has been building all mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's able to skate by because, you know, when a kicker misses a field goal, it's always the kicker's fault. And sometimes they're bad holders. I think he was the worst holder in the league this year. That's bad. That's definitely bad. And the game almost came down to holding in the Super Bowl. Johnny Hecker. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to hold, guys. Um, all right, viewing party. I'm going to go Matt Stafford watching that poor woman fall. What was he thinking there? I mean, second no-look pass of the week. Nice. <laughs> Chris. That was awesome. We need a laugh track in here. <laughs> no, I love it. That was perfect. I, 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 t- I had a different take on it. I saw that, and who was his mentor? Dan Orlovsky. Dan Orlovsky. What, is, what is Dan Orlovsky's number one rule of life? Never be alone in the same area as a woman who is not your wife. Oh, yeah. And so he, yeah. he saw her fall on her back, and he probably thought, like, this is what Dan has been preparing me for, a woman giving herself up for me. Yep. I got to get out of here. Yep. And then he just turned around and left. That's really that's that's really good. <laughs> I want to know where Vita Vea's tooth is. That's one uh, viewing part. Just tell me where it is right now. I've been concerned about that since week 13 or whatever it was. Jared Goff during the Super Bowl. Yeah, it sucks. A stray magnet. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I think that there should be an award for catching a stray. I motioned to add that award, and it should be called the uh, Nathan Peterman Award because he caught the worst stray ever. You remember that? Yeah, that's good. Uh, Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. He was like, he was like, it's not like we're playing Nathan Peterman. <laughs> Peterman's like sitting on the couch like what the fuck and that's why I felt like the two weeks for Jared Goff were like it was the worst the guy went through Detroit he's a great guy he all he ever did was he was a good quarterback like he was a good co- quarterback he was a great college quarterback and he was a solid quarterback in the pros he just wasn't as good as the team he was on and at times you know like he became he became uh, like a little Mahomes situation so I feel bad for him people almost reveled in the fact that he that he used to be on the Rams yeah, I think that's a little bit unfair. I think Jared's still a good quarterback. I do. He he played pretty well yeah. up in Detroit. Like he wasn't bad this year at all. Um, Hank loves to talk trash about him because he hates all of our friends. I got bad news for you, Chris. He probably hates you now too. Oh, really? He's, Hank does. For, he for some reason the last year he's just been on one. I've been getting hate, that vibe. Yeah, big vibes. Big yeah, vibes like from Hank. yeah, big big anti Chris vibes. Okay, fly on the wall. That being. Hey, I want to I want to see a conversation. I'll throw you one out there real quick. Najee Harris clearing up or rectifying via Steve Levy that bogus sleep on the floor in college story. Did you see when Steve stuck his neck out for that college story? That Steve yeah. Levy during Monday Night Football was he said that Najee Harris when he got to school laid on the ground uh, instead of on his bed every night and slept there. And then Najee Harris after the game was like, I ain't slept on no fucking ground, dude. <laughs> that yeah, was the it made it seem like he was hitchhiking to, to workouts and shit back when he was in college. Like he didn't have a roof. 
Yes. It's like the whole Andrew Hawkins skit where they have to find the most tragic stories about every player that ever played in the NFL. Shout out to Hawk. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. I, I had the uh, Antonio Brown and Kanye West conversation at the Super Bowl. I would have loved to hear what those two guys were just rapping back and forth about. Like some crazy ass ideas. One of those situations where like, you know, Kanye did that interview with Rogan a while back where he's like, I think that we need to put our smartest minds to work on developing motorized bees. Yeah. And and Rogan was like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> Antonio, Antonio Brown would be like, fuck that. Like motorized wasps. Like, like yeah. they would just get each other going. Yeah. And just keep spiraling and spiraling until they got out of control with something. Until, uh, Anto- until, until Antonio Brown goes on Joe Rogan. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, just when Antonio Brown goes on Joe Rogan, he has completely crossed over into pop pop culture icon alternative thinking bracket. Um no, did you know that Kanye's kid I want to be respectful. I don't know the, the daughter's name, but Kanye's daughter uh was wearing a Howie Long jersey at the Super Bowl. No shit. That's yeah, awesome. Dude. Doug, maybe, is it? Here, here's a fly on the wall. I'd like to see <laughs> when uh, when they were booing Kanye and AB thought that he was booing, he was getting booed and he was probably hyped about it. Uh, and then he realized that it wasn't actually for him. It was for Kanye. Yeah, that, that would be tough because both those guys, I, I feel like they've had a, a similar kind of like uh, track record the last few years where they're geniuses at what they do. They're like the best at what they do. Yeah. But then once every couple months, they just kind of go off the deep end a little bit. Take vacations. Uh, Antonio Brown also said that him and Kanye West are looking into buying the Denver Broncos. Did you see that? No. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know how much stock to put in that because it was a tweet. And I am blocked by Antonio Brown, so I have to have somebody send me screenshots of it. But What did yeah, you say to uh, get blocked by Antonio Brown? I don't know. It could be any of a couple dozen any, things yeah, that I've probably things. tweeted at him. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to have been on headset for uh, third and nine from your own four quarterback sneak. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Maybe chestnut checkers for Joe Judge, but we'll never really see that. That was out. against his uh, commanders. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, I would also like to see Davis Mills getting fitted for a suit. <laughs> <laughs> like the, when they get to the neck and they put the thing, like, wow, 24 inches. What would you say? 20, incredible. 23, 24. All right, so worst plane rides. This is where uh, PFT thought it would get contentious. Um, you can pick any plane ride on the entire year. Make? Buffalo Bills after losing the Super Bowl to the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round. That was bad. Okay, how about this one? Washington after you got beat by 60 and your D-line got in a fist fight on the sideline. Yep. That was, that was way yeah. worse because you weren't even in the playoffs. Like you, and it's three a.m. Okay, is Monday night football or Sunday night football? So you get waxed. How about the guy that has to sit in between those two guys? They definitely put a coach back there in the D line section of the plane. Plane plane fights are really ugly. They happen really rarely, but I've seen one or two. Yeah, and also Dallas Airport sucks. I don't like that place. It's too big. It's not great. It's you have to get great. on that monorail, and, and it always gets stuck in between stations, and you're just staring out the window for a while. They could really use an apocalyptic mural like Denver. Shout out to Denver. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a good episode. My I, so I was under the wrong impression for this best worst plane ride. I thought you were talking. I thought it was like just this week. And so <laughs> That's good. This is for the year. 
Yeah, no, for, for the week, I was going to say, I was going to say it's actually the Rams. Um, because they, they didn't have a plane they ride. Didn't have a, <laughs> they didn't have a plane ride. How about Brian Flores weeks 1, 11, and 16, his only road wins? That had to be awkward in the back of the plane or the front of the plane, actually, <laughs> wherever those coaches and owners sit. Uh, yeah, like shit. I don't, do the owners fly back? No, they're on their own planes usually, actually. I can just imagine everybody celebrating and Brian Flores staring at his iPad pensively because he knows like he's just going to get chewed out Monday morning. Best plane ride back, probably probably the Jaguars when they flew back without Coach Urban Meyer. I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say Urban's PJ back from Cincy before the clip was on the internet. Best plane ride, I'm just going straight San Francisco home from Green Bay. That had to be so fun. There's nothing like thawing out after a cold game. You know what that's like when you get a couple mm-hmm. sacks out in the cold. And then you got to take a hot shower, you get a, a nice meal, and you get on a first-class ticket back home. And they got off, and it was warm where they were. It was cold where they were. It's all the ingredients of a great plane ride. I'm not sure you are aware of the climate in the Bay Area. Well, it's cold, but it ain't fucking zero. Okay. Yeah, it's stickler for climates here. I always feel like the, the us-against-the-world plane rides are the best where you just got done beating a team where you were an underdog yeah, and you just spend the entire ride back being like, they didn't think we could do it. That's fucking awesome. We had like a month of those. Okay. Frank Gore Memorial award. I'm going to give that to, this is also the St. Louis Rams Memorial award. I'm giving that to Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn had 18 and a half sacks. Nobody knew who he was, who he was. I feel like until week 13. That's crazy. I, I did not know that he had 18 and a half sacks. Now, now, you know, PFT it's whatever year it was. And Chris and I are watching the draft. It's going to be a night on the town. It's a lot of fun. This is fun. At his place. And then you hear with the 10th pick in the first round, the St. Louis Rams select Robert Quinn, defensive end, North Carolina. Highlights ensue. It just silence falls across (laughs) the room. And nobody knows what the hell to say for several minutes until i can google that he's a right end mostly or until i was able to confirm that with my hey is he playing my position because he looks kind of good in these highlights robert quinn i'll give him frank gore <laughs> memorial s- award oh golly day okay i got a bunch here fucking fire him off rex big sex burkhead okay. just fucks around and leads the texans in rushing yes hassan reddick mm-hmm Carolina Panthers. Yeah, he's you awesome. to talk about He might sacks. get paid this year. And then this guy might be too relevant to be a, a Frank Gore Award winner, especially in the fantasy realm, but Amon Ra St. Brown. Oh, yeah. Uh, brother of Equinemius uh, St. Brown, and they are the sons of John Brown. Not John St. Brown. <laughs> Just John Brown. Not some long-lettered first name, St. Brown. John Brown. Overcompensating his, his for a four-letter name, dude. Equinemius and Amon Ra. By the way, I didn't know they were related until very late this season. Hmm. Really? That's that's the only thing I knew about Amon Ra St. Brown when he got drafted. I was like, oh, that's Equinemius's brother. Their dad is really good at naming children. That's no, all that I knew. No question. And I, Dude, that guy, is he's legit. He yeah. came on so strong in the second half of the season. So my one of my guys was going to be Tom Kennedy. From the Lions, you probably don't know who he is. Only real ballers like me know about this guy. But he's a uh, wide receiver on the Lions. He threw that touchdown pass Ooh. on the trick play, the gadget play. Yeah. And fun story about this kid. We were over at Stu Finer's house in the summertime. 
we were doing like a day barbecue out there. The whole squad was there. And uh, Frank the Tank had joined us also, and he was in the pool. We were all sitting by the pool, hanging out, having a chat, talking ball like guys do. Tom Kennedy comes up. And he's friends with one of Stu Finer's kids. Yeah. But we didn't know we didn't know who he was. He was just like a normal kid that that pulled up there. He was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to uh, the Detroit Lions training camp this summer. I hope I make the team." And we're like, "Oh, dude, that's that's awesome." He didn't look like a football player, really. He's like a normal sized guy. Wide so Frank the Tank is in the pool, and he hears him say, "I'm going to the Lions training camp." And Frank goes, "The Lions, the Lions stink." The Lions are the worst football team in the history of football. They always lose on Thanksgiving. They should contract the Lions and get them out of the league. They are the stinkiest bunch of sucks that's ever sucked. And this kid was just sitting there getting roasted by the Lions. And you know, Frank, he was breaking out like all the A material, oh, yeah. like doing all the puns on the Lions. He was like, they should they should play your games on the on the Wizard of Oz DVDs because you're the cowardly lions. And uh, he's like deep just, in his comedic bag. Oh, for sure. Like he emptied the clip on this kid and the kid just stood up and he just walked away and got in his car and drove off. Like Frank, <laughs> Frank chased him out of the backyard because he was bullying the Detroit Lions so hard. And then they're like, well, that'll be the last time we see that kid. Oh, and he, not only did he overcome everything that the Lions had stacked against them this year, he overcame Frank the Tank's roast of them. Oh and he God. was able to ball out, make the team, and throw a touchdown pass. That is bad, though, that you can work your whole life. And I can kind of relate to this a little bit, not quite like the Lions, to become a pro football player and be the thing that you pretended to be in the backyard. And then when you get there, people make fun of you. Regular guys in the pool make fun of you, <laughs> make you leave parties. You know, that's yeah. like the irony of becoming a Detroit Lion. Fuck, dude. That's yeah, sad. it was bad. It was bad, but shout out to to Kennedy because he, I guess he overcame Frank this year. He did overcome. It's very him. rare to very rare to overcome Frank. Did you know that Kennedy's secretary was named Lincoln, and Lincoln's secretary was named Kennedy? I did hear that, and, and one was arrested in a barn. The other was arrested in a theater. Yes, I heard this shit guy, too. Wait, how's this go? So one of them, the guy that John Wilkes Booth. Yeah, John Wilkes Booth uh, and Lee Harvey Oswald. Hey, do you want to see John Wilkes Booth real quick? We have him here. Sure. Hold on, come here. Show him your face. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> you can see it, absolutely. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln couldn't. <laughs> it's like a little mix he got of... Uh, the back of the head, dude. <laughs> it's a, a mix history. of John Wilkes Booth and Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. He likes Edgar Allan Poe better. Speaking Doesn't of want to be a presidential murderer. Speaking of Abraham Lincoln, Nevermore. Edgar Allan Poe, the Raven. Reference. Speaking of Lamar Nicely Jackson. done by you. Come on, Biatch. I could have been on the lawn. That's pretty good. If I applied myself. Hey, okay. So give out your MVP then. I motioned. Give it, I motioned go ahead. Give it out. Yeah. For the year. For oh, the year. Like oh, anything. Shit. Anything. It could be not even a player on a field, like something that happened that you. Harambe. <laughs> Yo, that no, I've never seen somebody milk a gorilla longer than you guys. You guys have really gotten everything out of this gorilla. I mean, that's like, not that's not fair. We 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 milked him. We rang every drop of blood out of that dead gorilla for about for about eight months, 
And then we we let it slide. <laughs> you and then we, we said, him. you know what? We're gonna we're gonna give this girl mouth to mouth. We're gonna bring him back for these playoffs because it's Cincinnati. And what else is there to talk about for Cincinnati? Harambe, dude. You guys, Ted Williams, them is what you did. You just <laughs> you froze him. And then you you knew that eventually the Bengals would be back, and that there would be uh, more time for Harambe. We we thought him we thought him out. Yeah, no, but I think Harambe. This is probably the last time I'll be able to say Harambe's name without it becoming like super super cringy again. Okay, I so this today, is it. I think so, unless the Reds make the World Series, in which case, like all bets are off. Anytime Cincinnati pops into the public conscious, uh-huh. I think I think we gotta we gotta bring H Man back. So we're not laying Harambe to rest, Heavenly Father. We're just waiting for Cincinnati to do something relevant again. Okay, we just yeah, put him up in the attic for a while. Okay, do you have an MVP? Yeah the uh, the players on the playoff teams they're. COVID antibodies once the playoffs they started. They were so strong, dude. I mean, Incredible. really came to play. Hats off to those antibodies. I Maybe mean, the at antibodies. You're talking about the players. I want to talk about the antibodies. For no, a I'm talking about the antibodies. They are my MVP. Now, here's an antibody. Great length. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, and then lastly, the OA award the feat of great athleticism that we must mention. And for me, it's Bruce Arians coaching on a bum Achilles, assaulting players on a bum Achilles. Achilles used to take people out for a year. Uh, We make a big deal about certain guys coming back in six, eight months from an Achilles. How about Bruce Arians not even having to come back because he never left? Yeah. I mean, it makes what Cam Akers did look like child's play. It really does. For some reason, what BA does, like people just shrug it off. It's like, oh, that's just Bruce. And, and it's like he was out there like slapping his own players in the head and screaming at him. But everyone's like, that's just Bruce being Bruce. He's probably had a couple cocktails and you know how he gets. <laughs> well, you really do set the tone when you when you walk out there in a, in a Kangol hat. Like, all right, this guy's fucking crazy. He could do anything. Yeah. And uh, I wonder where that, that threshold is for Bruce Arians doing something that we actually would be upset about. Like, what at what point... Is it no, not okay? I also think that the transition lenses help a lot to, to mask some of that. So if you see a dude wearing transitions and a Kangol, you can you can push the limit sometimes. <laughs> really it's sick. like, that's just a cool old cat. You know, like he's old school. He's just old school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just old school. Okay. How about your OAs? Buda Baker. Chris Long doesn't know Buda Baker. Oh, dude. Buda Baker got mad at me. Has a player ever gotten really well? You just told me Antonio Brown got mad at you. I feel like uh, it's a little different when like your former peer gets mad at you and I'm like, fuck, I really am a podcaster now, dude. Like a guy just yelled at me online about a football take. So I, my take was that he didn't have a a pick six uh, and he took it as he didn't have a touchdown and he got really upset. And what did he say on online? Chris Long doesn't know Buda Baker. All caps. Buda Baker has a touchdown and he will find the end zone again. I had to run him down on Instagram to like apologize, dude. To be clear, the the tweet was just perfectly crafted. He's really cool, actually. Me and Buda Boot, Baker talked, and we're gonna donate. Anytime there's a problem, just make it go away with money. I'm gonna donate six grand for his first pick six or first touch pick six. So we're just throwing money at the problem. Buda Baker honestly sounds like the name of your alter ego. Like if you were a Chet Hayes kind of guy, if you put out a, a Jamaican dancehall album. You think it'd Chris be Buda Long Baker? Buda Baker, yeah. 
Chat, he's gone totally off the off the the deep end lately. Well, he Been might a little too quiet. Yeah. Well, no, he actually just made news yesterday. Yeah, he said I'm he, off on my chat here. I guess he, my yeah, he said he didn't up. have a strong father figure in his house. I was like, yeah, there's strong male presence in the house. I was like, yeah, your dad's Tom Hanks, not Howie Long. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what do you want, a GI Joe? <laughs> well, everybody thinks that Tom Hanks, like, since he's America's dad, basically, he must have been at least his mm. son's dad. Well, no, he's but busy he's raising doing, all of us. He's doing, yeah, he was raising me. And, you know, like, it was a while he was away on that island. So, um, I motion. Did you name your uh, OA award yet? You did? Yeah. You uh, did Buddha Baker is where yeah. we are. Where, how about you? How about you, PFC? Well, mine is tangentially connected to Buddha Baker's DK Metcalf. My guy, DK. Yes. You guys are tight, huh? We're, we're frenemies, man. I, I We like each other, I think. My impression of the relationship is that we like have each other's backs and we know like what the other person is getting out of this relationship, but we're really rooting for them symbiotic. to do well. It's symbiotic, but we, we like connect. He's got a weird sense of humor, which I appreciate. Uh, but I'm giving him my OA award because just having a foursome in general is the athleticism necessary to do that is mind blowing to me. Mm. I can't even, it sounds so stressful. I, I would never be able to even, if I found myself in a situation do Somehow. I not have the background on some orgy somebody was in? Well, DK was, he was setting up orgies. Yeah. And then a woman posted screenshots oh. and he was like getting her to do foursome. Sounds like Twister, and, doesn't it? Yeah. He, he laughed it off at the time and uh, which a lot of people would have panicked, but he was like, what can I say? I'm, I am, but a man. <laughs> <laughs> sound like, he sounded like Greg there. Did he sound like Greg? Oh, uh. That's it would be so stressful. Like, imagine three women being like, "Hey, uh, you need to have sex with all of us at the same time." No chance it would work out. Hard to please everybody. Yeah, it's like a restaurant knowing how many people you can you can serve, and now you got to cut the line off at some point, or else the Yelp reviews are just going to be dog shit. <laughs> no chance, no chance. I would ever enter a room with three women, much less have sex with them. Oh yeah, forget about it. Forget about it. Uh, Dan Orlovsky is it's unthinkable. <laughs> Dude, the the blog that he wrote was so funny, and I don't I don't like to pick on Dan. No, uh, Dan's no, the I, fucking. I take it back. I do. You like to pick on Dan, but uh, Dan's the best. Can we make fun of, in, in good fun of Dan? Fun and good fun. Yeah, his blog. He wrote the blog. Okay, I didn't force him to write that blog. Okay, but on allprodad.com, he, he, he not. wrote. He wrote how you can't be in the same room as a woman because he'll be tempted, which is also a weird way of Dan being like, I'm horny. Every, yeah, I'm horny. And also every woman would definitely be tempted by me. <laughs> and then he's also, it's like a catch 22. He's also not allowed to be in his hotel room by himself because then his mind starts to wander and he goes to all the websites. He shouldn't be on. It's like, Dan, dude, what, what's going on here? Uh, just don't, just check off like a normal guy. It's, it's fine. <laughs> it's a Mike Pence situation. That's so it good. It is. Dan Olofsky. Oh. Hey. <laughs> I can't get over Dan Olofsky. We're not allowed to take vacations here, PFT. Are you excited about yours? Yeah, I, I'm very excited. Hank really set the tone. And I want to thank Hank Lockwood for making it okay to take vacations. He normalized taking paid who's gonna who, who here is gonna do it 
I might step up. <laughs> You've been stepping up, dude. <laughs> You've been stepping up. All right. I got a motion, mercifully, is Eli Apple uh, needs an award named after him, like for the most confident person on an NFL weekend. So like next year, somebody just makes the most ridiculously confident but dumb throw or like somebody just does something so bold that only Eli Apple would stand by it. Eli Apple's uh, quote today, y'all reawoken a fire in me that will only make me stronger. And I'm beyond excited to unleash that demon again to exponential levels on any op that lines up across from me next season. All right, is cornerback now corner the most confident job in the world? Is there a job that demands more confidence than cornerback in the world? Very good question. Taxi uh, driver, taxi cab drivers. I would, I would say Benny Hanna, chef. Mm. No question. You can't fuck up at all. I, I, I've never seen somebody screw up. Like <laughs> I've never heard build, of it. No, they build the volcano perfectly every time. They throw the shrimp directly into your mouth, even if it's like a seventy-year-old man. They're catching it straight up, no bounces. Like those are probably the most confident people, I'd say. I burned my eyebrows the other night on my gas grill, and thats I've never even heard of that happening at a Benihana's. No. That's incredible. Like, Red Panda's dropping bowls left and right, and nobody even cares. Nobody cares. Benihana guy can't drop a bowl. Snake milkers. Snake milkers. Snake milkers, the ones that get the venom out of the snake. You didn't know that was a They put the snake up to the jar and then they, like, squeeze the top of it? Yep, yep, yep. They're just doing it raw dog. Uh, Building a career... Upon the death of a gorilla. <laughs> I mean, that takes some you stones. Sh- you can't show any signs of weakness. No. You can't. Eli Apple deserves an award. Can we motion to, to add that award next year? We could vote Frank Gore off the island as he retires and oh, rides off wow. into the sunset. That award's shit, dude. It really is. I really no, don't understand There's a reason nobody them, wants to hear candidly. about the players on the teams that nobody watches. Anyways. Um, PFT... Appreciate you, dude. Finally, we get him on green light. We'll hopefully get him back again soon. He was very gracious with his time. He was interrupted by Tony Baselli. Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, there's, I, there's one guy. I had nothing else going on today. I was spending all day just, I got the booster, not to brag. Whoa. Uh, and so now I'm just. Virtue signaling. Yeah, are, are we still doing the joke where it's like, now, I, now I'm just tuned into Amazon all day long. I'm talking about Amazon Web Services, next gen stats. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, my hand my hand has been stuck to my television like a magnet for the last twelve hours. I'm getting tracked. I'm just driving around in the pattern of a giant penis to see if Bill Gates can see. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, I don't like to brag about it, but I did get I got boosted only because I was going to go out of the country on this vacation, and yeah. they required you to have a booster. And it turns out there are some passport issues, so I had to cancel my big plan that I had oh, and instead find a place at the last minute that accepts, uh, or that's like within the United States. And I just wanted to go somewhere warm. So I'm about to hit the road tomorrow and, uh, I don't want to dox you, but take my first vacation. I don't want to dox you, but how's Panama city going to be Panama city beach. It's going to be great. <laughs> if I, it's on site. If I run into Dak Prescott down there It's on site, All have right. you, have you ever been to Panama city? Yes. Fuck no, dude. I got my ear pierced there in the year 2004. <laughs> Whoa. I swear to God. I swear to God. Really? Yeah. Alex Holmes got her nose pierced. <laughs> I got my ear pierced. Your girlfriend got her nose pierced. Yeah. We were kids. That's, That's the most Panama City story ever. <laughs> but it is, 
it is really the trashiest place on earth. I yes, went there for a spring break one time and uh yeah, it's uh it's bad. Seed City. Seed City. This guy's been all over the country. Actually, uh, 2005. Uh, we might have been there the same year. Do you recall a, a hot tub at a hotel? <laughs> yeah, I actually spent some time in one of the hot tubs. It sounded like you guys might have been in the same hot tub yeah. at one point. The guy Probably like, were. Longer hair, backwards, Andy Roddick hat, Reebok, and a, and a left ear piercing. Actually, I was hanging out with John Gotti's son. He was in one of those hot tubs. And we were just, you know, catching a cool hang. And then I was like, hey, you want to go to Medieval Times? And he was like, absolutely not. And I was like, all right, peace. I'm out. True story. Might have been different years. <laughs> that might have been 06. Um, all right. PFD commenter, appreciate you, dude. Thanks for coming on, man. All right. Take care, guys. A really relatable guy, that PFT. I, I too, do not have a passport, and I'm, I'm, really, I'm confined to the, to the States. I don't know where my passport is. I believe that. Um, there was a knock on my door about four in the morning a few years back. You were in St. Louis, I believe, and an, uh, an, an unmarked man, an unmarked man from UPS knocked on my door to get your passport from me to have it fly on the plane. I pictured it right next to the pilot, like in the co-pilot seat, your passport, fly it to St. Louis so you could go on a vacation. Yeah, it was sick. Yeah. Because we were physically not going to be able to get to the passport. You know when you realize that your passport is not with you, or if you had a passport, you would sometimes realize it's not with you. Like, that's one of the scariest moments in the world, especially if you set up a vacation, because you're not getting your money back. That was an act of God, so thank you. You're welcome. I figured a guy dressed in a UPS uniform would appear. No, it's what like can a whole, Brown like it's do a, for you. It's like a what can this was an undercover what can fellow unclear do for you who just moves passports around the country. Yeah. Read. Yes. Okay, so I posted this last night on my Instagram story. The uh, the books are in, man. The who, the, what's it called? What are these books called again? Who will win? Who would win? Who would win? Okay. By when Jerry Pelota. I've gotten so many messages about people whose children really enjoy these books. My son is getting a set of these books for his birthday, which is coming up. Okay. What day? March 2nd. <laughs> you, you damn near did a what day? Am I right? Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> like... I'm not saying I'm a good person. No, but you're like a birthday computer. I've got some good you qualities. You can buy like a birthday computer for like $9.99 on Amazon. I don't even know if they exist, but that's what they would go for. Keep all your birthdays in this machine. It's a very 1997 thing. You're March 28th. Yeah, that's good. Your wife's March 26th like Kenny Chesney. Hey, <laughs> I took us here. But anyways, Waylon's getting the same books. And... I had to order two of those bad boys so we could get Reed to do little book reports on who would win out of the two wild animals on this series. There's 25 of them, right, Reed? Some of these matchups, I don't even know what to make of them. Last night, I was so excited that these things showed up. I was in the kitchen 10 p.m., took lovely wife out to dinner last night, got home, saw the books were here. She was immediately, she dove right in. She dove right into like Komodo dragon and a cobra. And I don't want to know. I really don't want to know. What I want to happen is I want Reed to read the books and tell us who wins. We pick who we think wins. We can side bet these animals. Okay. And I'm taking these books as the Bible, man. Whatever they say happens in these matchups 
happens to me. If I see a cobra and a Komodo dragon fighting on the ground, I'm just going to walk by. I know what happens. I saw it in the book. I called Meg a motherfucker last night because she spoiled one of the books. I'm that into it. From your kid's point of view, you're the motherfucker. <laughs> Why? You're. Oh, I got it. That's funny. <laughs> Only twice. <laughs> so, Reed, what what did you decide? What's the first matchup? I picked a junk. <laughs> a, a junk, a junk snake. Reed reads off to a good start. Wait, wait, which books do you have? <laughs> Sound it out. <laughs> I picked a Jaguar versus Skunk. He's going to have Betty White versus a Komodo dragon. <laughs> you should do a whole book on Elizabeth Taylor against the fucking Pit Viper. The whole thing, Reed. Pit right. Viper would win. Your pick, Jaguar versus Skunk, who would win? You guys, off of not reading these wonderful books. And I will say, uh, for anyone out there who is about to read these, spoilers are about to follow, so... Mm. Oh, that's good, really good. good yeah, somebody yeah. would, somebody would like Twitter people when I used to be on that that hokey ass website. Are you on that website? Yeah. So Twitter people used to like literally run you down if you tweeted about a show. It could be done five years ago. It could be The Wire. It could be The Sopranos. People get mad about spoilers, so I'm glad our bases are covered here. Somebody would run me down and say you spoiled. Who would win? Jaguar. I, it's it's the easy pick, dude. Jaguar is so it's so it's minus three thirty. Skunks give me headaches when they've odorized, but I can I can turn my nose off until I drive through it. I'm going with Jaguar. Jaguars, I think they have the strongest bite in the world. Um, I do think that the skunk might intoxicate the jaguar with its vapors you know maybe confuse it but once the jaguar gets a hold of that skunk there's no way right skunk i think might have tough skin though the honey badger family i think go, go ahead reed so i got the jaguar you both would be defeated by a skunk as well skunk wins Re reed do the build up man read us what happens there's really good fight scenes that they describe in the in these books man so the jaguar is so strong it can pierce through a turtle shell. The jaguar will eat a turtle. <laughs> the jaguar stalks a wild boar. It patiently waits for the boar to go to sleep. Then it crushes its skull. That was smart, too. So yeah. there's a cameo from a wild boar in this one. As the jaguar was eating the pacu, the skunk chewed and swallowed a turtle egg. Oh, this is fucking science fiction. The jaguar... <laughs> This no, is tortoise in the hair bullshit? No, it's real. Yeah, it's real. The green anaconda was lunch for the jaguar. The jaguar's jaws are so strong. Here, can I have the book read? No, the skunk I, I was disagree. A found a tasty dragonfly. The skunk ate a dragonfly. Uh, the skunk also ate a delicious frog. When do they fight? Is this four? The jaguar... The hungry jaguar is walking through a rainforest mm -hmm. and is looking for another meal. The jaguar sees the skunk. Mm. The jaguar could easily rip the skunk to shreds. This may be no contest. We were right. The jaguar can't stand the smell. It runs away as fast as possible. Congratulations to the skunk. The ferocious jaguar quit <laughs> the battle. What? No. So the hey, jaguar so don't like the default. stank. Hey, so I'm going to go... 
I'm going down the road on this thing. I will continue to play ball, but the the these books have to end in fatalities. Yeah, you, you can't win by living to fight another day, dude. You have to you have to make the Jaguar expire. I call bullshit. Not off to a great start, Reed, these books. Damn it, Reed. Go skunks. What a bad idea, Reed. <laughs> okay. What which one do you want to read next? The Predators of the Ocean. There's all the predators in the ocean one. Okay, okay next we we're ne- next we want to do sperm whale and whale. Even though I saw what would happen probably on the wildcrats is what I want next. Sperm whale giant squid. That's what we'll do. And people at home, don't spoil this fucking thing, dude. Like, don't spoil our who would win experience. Okay? So next podcast, that's your book. And in the future, just skip to the last couple of pages. It tells you what happens. You know what I'm saying? Got it. <laughs> this is a good job, though. But I want to know how good the uh, skunk can hear and how well the jaguar can smell. Those facts are good. You, you know yeah. what we could do in the future is, we, you know, we maybe it's three facts apiece. We just pick Perfect. the best three, and then, and then at the end, we just read through the... the more of a book report. Summarize what's, it for us. Put it in your words. What's the definition of crepuscular? Tri- trivia would be good. Being able to shoot stinky juice out of your ass. Close. Say the word again. Being able to stink, stinky juice out of your glands. No, that's making Gunter. Yeah, that's hey, true. that's <laughs> not fair. Chris does that too. Yeah. Crepuscular means an animal that hunts at dawn and at dusk. Mm, you weren't close at all. No, I know. Do you know what dawn is? Dawn is when the sun first rises. Dusk is when the sun sets. Thank you, cowboy. Read reads. Riding off into the sunset. Y'all take care. Oh.